You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. There are the famous touch tones that bring us back in to the Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you, priests from the Diocese of Fargo, and we are looking forward to visiting with you and hearing your questions. The number is 877-795-0122. You can also contact us through our uh, Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. Uh, uh, the stress there is we are looking forward to hearing your voices, hearing your voices, because Father Gross and I, we love to hear our voices, but we really want some other voices to come over the airways right now. Absolutely. Yes, we're looking forward to doing that, but maybe we can, uh, and I think I used this phrase last uh, week, we can prime the pump here with a couple of different topics. One in particular uh, that would be very timely for today is the uh, memorial that the church is celebrating, and I mentioned this in my homily this morning, that if you had an average group of um, uh, Catholics and you said the name St. Pius of Petrolcina, I think you'd get a lot of blank stares. People just don't quite recognize. But if you say St. Padre Pio, um, then there's a lot more recognition. There was a um, a vibrant modern-day piety about him, his picture on people's walls, things like that. Uh, in the generation before Gen X, you might say, with regard to uh, Pope St. John Paul II, Mother Teresa, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Well, in, again, just on so many levels. I mean, he was so instrumental during World War II, for example, in health and healing, and just the the he had these spiritual societies throughout the world of spiritual connection where people knew him, and there was mm-hmm. yeah, and just the grace of the Holy Spirit was alive through his yeah. powerful intercession, and people right. throughout the world had met him and known him, and mm-hmm. I, I, in my in my life, I've I've met like five people who actually went to confession to him, who would share stories with me about their experience of meeting him. So mm-hmm. he he's, a, we could say he's a contemporary almost. In, in yes, our yes. So. Is, is he one of those, and you hear this from several different um, confessors, who was given the gift of smelling sin like a stench on penitence, and this would actually help him give people courage if they were reluctant to confess something, because he could tell, in a sense, that they were holding back and not so, Making I mean, a it's a true story. One, one of, I forget the gentleman's name now, he's Italian, but he came, and he came more as, like, the gospel today was, it said Herod, Herod was interested in seeing Jesus. He wanted, like, a, curious, but not really like, going, like, you a know. magic, or an entertain me, or a magician, or something like yes. this. And a lot, of, a lot of us are that way with Padre Pio. You get curious about all his spiritual gifts and stuff. So, this Italian, he was a journalist, and he, he came, and, ah, okay. and he was going to, he was kind of, I guess didn't really take the confessional seriously, but went in there more to kind of interview him or get information of him. And 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 Padre Pio says to him, "You skunk, you you smell to high heaven with your sins. You get out of here. You don't come back to me again until you're ready to confess your sins." And the guy had been living a, a pretty bad life or whatever. And, well, the gift of the Holy Spirit hit him, convicted him, and he he did. He came back then, mm-hmm. and he ended up becoming. One of the reasons why we know so much about Padre Pio, because he really did then write about Mm -hmm. the true Padre Pio. And not to divulge anything, but that happens to you every Saturday (laughs) in the the reconciliation. I I, I get kicked out of the... No, 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 no. (laughs) 
So let's see a little bit of biographical data because it is a fascinating story when you look at his early life as well. Um, he was born Francesco Forgione. I mean, that's as Italian as it can get from a, a village, Petrocina, in the south of Italy. He, um, it, that was 1887. He took the name Pius or Pio upon his entrance into the Capuchin Franciscans as a friar in honor of Pope Pius I, who was from a nearby village and whose relics he had uh, you know, gone and, and prayed before and various things like that. Um, now, they, it was a poor family, and they needed uh, Francesco's help at home with uh, shepherding and chores, so he could only go to a couple of years of primary school. But when he discerned very early in his life a vocation, his family knew that he would need more education than what he had had, but they didn't have the money for it. So Francesco's dad took a period of a few years and traveled to the United States, worked in this country, I believe it was Bridgeport, Connecticut, near uh, New York City, earning additional money because there were more economic opportunities, sending that money home so that they could afford the tutors that they needed in order to um, uh, get him caught up in his education. And the, the stigmata is one of the things that most everybody knows about Padre Pio, which began in his late 20s, shortly after his ordination, and persisted for some 50 years until his death at the age of 81. In addition to the hands and the feet, um, I saw something, uh, a documentary, where at his shrine at St. Giovanni Rotondo, they have an, an exhibit of an undershirt with deep stains on his right shoulder. So on Thursday evening, Fridays, when the, the pain would become acute, you know, around the same time of the week as our Lord's uh, suffering and death, he also had that pain which reflected the carrying of the cross, something which would not have been visible, but really is, is fascinating, too. What's interesting, for those of us who are observing this or looking from the outside, he always experienced these things as like a deep humiliation, that, that he had done something wrong or there's something wrong with him, that he that the humiliation of these wounds and so yeah. forth, that he, mm -hmm. like we see it as, oh my gosh, he's so holy, he experienced it as that he was unworthy mm -hmm. and that there was an embarrassment to him right. and he always tried to hide it or cover it. The, yeah. There, there's this beautiful, I, I just love that there's so many stories about him, of course, right. but going back to when he was a child, I, I just mm -hmm. love this. It, it tells you about his soul where he literally had the ability to see his guardian angel and communicate yeah. with his guardian angel. Mm -hmm. And he not only that, but he could see everybody else's guardian angels. And mm -hmm. so, and again, the poor family didn't relate a lot, this kind of thing. He literally thought everybody had that gift. He thought right. everybody could see the guardian angels. And he there, presumed it was a normal thing. thing. And there's a story about he's, I don't know, about seven years old or something, playing. The, there's kind of this neighborhood bully, oh, whatever, okay. a little boy, a little older than him. They're playing, and but they're out there, and this little boy kept cussing or swearing. And every time he did it, Padre saw the effect it had on his guardian angel. Mm. And he goes to this boy, and he says, why... Why do you treat your angel so badly? Why are you doing this? You're hurting him. Stop it. It was only at that point that he realized yeah. that others couldn't see the angels mm -hmm. the way he could. Right. Uh, just I want to follow up uh, on the, um, the, the, the phenomenon of the stigmata. First of all, the humility. The church had restricted his... Um, restricted his exercise of his office um, for a time to investigate things and it took humility to be in that you know that position and to wait for uh, him to be vindicated so that they saw that this was not some sort of hoax or something fabricated but 
um, medical professionals will tell you that if you have wounds such as what happens there, um, you're likely going to die within a matter of weeks, either because of the trauma of the continual loss of blood or infection that could enter into them. But not only did that not happen through these decades in his life, but the wounds emitted a fragrance like roses. You know, so, I mean, it just have been, it, there's so many remarkable things. So we ask for St. Pius of Pietrocina's intercession today. I think maybe a last thing on which you brought up, which is so important, and often you can tell the difference here between, you know, when God's working or when the individual's actually, but it has to do with obedience. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a hallmark across his life. He was put under some very severe obedience is at different points he yeah. always came under obedience even though it meant like giving up his spiritual gifts or being able to hear confessions or celebrate mass or doing different things mm-hmm. and in the end it proved true that you know he because through that obedience even though those who may be in authority over him weren't such good people at right. times god worked it for good for his salvation and for yeah. the rest that of that may be so. the most important part of his legacy when you look at it and, and the temptations to want to be in the arena so to speak god is you know it gifted me with these things why shouldn't you know they be proliferated somehow but uh 877 is the number and we do have a caller on the line someone you may be familiar with uh here uh, father karen is calling from the nearby town of adams welcome to presence live thank you good morning father good morning so karen the first thing we need to do is you need to help father gross identify who your son is so that he knows ah uh, yes your your handsome son <laughs> kelly right well kelly and All blaine both who are is the five children <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm very grateful to have uh two two of your uh two of your boys here in in our parish here in grand forks how, how, how are things in adams yeah. north dakota today it's beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Sun is shining, wind is blowing. Okay, well, Karen, what's on your mind this morning? Well, on our mother's birthday in, in September, one of the readings was Matthew, the genealogy of Joseph. Mm-hmm. And every time I see that scripture, I cringe because it's like, oh, no, I can't pronounce any of it. Can you guys give me a a new way of looking at it or reading it possibly. Well, before uh, Father Leffer weighs in, I just want to share an additional story about this. That reading comes up a couple of different times. It comes up on the final weekdays of Advent, I think maybe the first of those final weekdays. And then it is also an, uh, it's also the reading for the Vigil Mass of Christmas. Now, that's the long form. You can take the shorter form of the text that follows of the angel speaking to Joseph in his dream to uh, take Mary into his house uh, as his wife but i often think of that in terms of you know putting that genealogy at christmas time and here people are thinking about the the three kings and bethlehem and the baby Babies. jesus and they're hearing shealtiel is the father of zerubbabel and zerubbabel is the father of and just you know like like you probably are karen just you know holding yeah. your hands up in expert exasperation <laughs> well okay so we- so what this does is it, it kind of exposes who we are as Christians. So the deeper reality is we are Judeo-Christians. So everything of the Jewish faith we, we, we claim as ours because Christ was Jewish. And now as Christians, though, some of that stuff we, we let go or we're not too familiar with or the importance of it. So Matthew, he's so St. Matthew, he is writing for a Jewish convert 
audience to Christianity. So he, he he's bringing together these these different worlds. So the, these lineages, these names that are they are so very important to the Jewish people. Even to this day, the the faithful Jews they carry around their lineage in a in a document that proves. And what those lineages were about is it it demonstrates well I'm a son of Abraham, which means I'm a son of the covenant, which means I'm entitled to the temple and I'm entitled to everything that is promised through mm -hmm. the line of Abraham and I have proof I carry around with and so I, I have memory you have to have memorized at least 14 generations back and, and if you ask any faithful Jew he'll be able to rattle off all the names of his relatives and, and descendants that, that prove that he is of the covenant that he is he's the, therefore he's one of the chosen people he's chosen by God okay so what's happening here now with these genealogies so all four Gospels have their way of proving who Jesus is so um, for example John John's gospel emphasizes that Jesus is the Son of God um, Matthew's gospel here I believe he goes back to Abraham right so he he proves mm -hmm. that he is the that he's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant Mark's gospel that he is the fulfillment of King David that he's the son of David and Luke's gospel goes all the way back to Adam does the genealogy all the way back to Adam that he is the son of man and so all of these things. So Jesus is, he's the son of God. He is the son of Abraham. He is the son of David. He is the son of man. It, that he, He's both God and man and he fulfills all these things. So mm -hmm. I know hearing these names might be kind of hard for us or whatever, but what they're doing is they're, they're testifying to the very identity of who Christ is. Now, right. why did we hear this on Mary's birthday? And again, there was a, there's like, the two different there's two different genealogies there's Luke and and there's Matthews and some people said well one is for Joseph's line and one is for Mary's line that's why you have different names in there but 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 again there we're going back and particularly that one on, on Mary's birthday if you look at that genealogy you look in there and you you notice in this very human generations of of Jesus we we've got incest involved in there we've we've got um uh prostitution involved in right. there, we have harlotry involved in there, we have pagans who have become Jews involved in there, and this is all part of God redeeming the line of humanity. Diving right into the midst of the muck and the mire, yes. Also, when you look at, um, a couple of days ago we celebrated the Feast of St. Matthew, the Apostle and Evangelist, and one of the things I like to think about as a way of understanding the distinguishing characteristics of Matthew, more than the other Gospel writers, he will uh, use as a postscript to various miracles or events. This happened to fulfill what was said, you know, and then a quote from the, uh, it, maybe it's the prophet Isaiah, maybe it's one of the Psalms or various things like that. Matthew is very interested in connecting those dots for the sake of Jewish converts to Christianity and the citing of the genealogy through the family of Joseph to, to David, you know, back to, back to Abraham is a ref reflection on that. Uh, absolutely. So thank you very much, Karen, for that question, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for your listening and for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Were, were, were we able to satisfy your frustration? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, and, and, and yeah. if you think those names are a, are a challenge for you attending Mass, just consider what a priest or a deacon goes through having to... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a blessed day, Thank Karen. Thank you. You Very too. Very good.
Thank you. That number again is 877-795-0122. We also receive questions on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. So, Father Gross, while we are sitting here waiting for the next voice to be heard over these airwaves, Indeed. I, I know you have a special pile there. What What is on that pile? Yeah, um, earlier in September, there was a beatification ceremony that took place in Poland featuring two individuals, um, Cardinal Stefan Wyszynski and a, um, a nun by the name of Elzbieta Chaska. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> you know, living in northeastern North Dakota and northwestern Minnesota, you have to pick up some of the, the lingo here. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not going to work, right? So anyway, I just wanted to say a word about uh, these important people, these recently beatified persons. Um, Cardinal Wyszynski was the Archbishop in Warsaw for 33 years until his death in the year 1980. So he became a, a priest as a very young man and a bishop also as a young man in 1947. And when you think about the political history of what is now Poland and how up in the air it was that for essentially for the whole of the 19th century there was no entity called Poland on a map of Europe that what is now that country was divided up like three pieces of a pie by some of their neighbors uh, whether it be the Austria, uh, Austria Hungarian or Prussia or you know various groups like that and um once the it was bad enough with with the Nazis coming in and some some six million people dying, uh, twenty percent of the Polish population, uh, including twenty percent of the uh, priests and religious. But then communism came in to fill that void, and so there was um, a, a contending, you might say, um, uh, the. Um, Cardinal Wyszynski, in this quote that I have from the National Catholic Register, was Moses to the communist pharaoh for 33 years, yes. as the way that they put that. And uh, the, the, the wiles, the, 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 the cleverness that was necessary in order to uh, persist in the midst of those, uh, the, those terrible situations. Now, considering how many people had uh, shed their blood, um, he was reflecting about the, uh, on this as to whether or not he should be among them. And here's what uh, now blessed Wyszynski had to say. Martyrdom is undoubtedly an honorable thing, but God leads his church not only along an extraordinary way, that of martyrdom, but also along an ordinary way, that of apostolic work. Indeed, I was of the opinion that the modern world needed another kind of martyrdom, the martyrdom of work, not of blood. And so that explained his desire to remain with his flock when so many had, especially in World War II, shed their blood. And in there, you and I are so fortunate in a week here, we're going to have uh, George Weigel, who did the biography of John Paul, and yes. comments on on him so, mm -hmm, so deeply, mm -hmm. beautifully. But because of that, we, we know a number of stories. So one of the, you mentioned his cleverness, and like, what was Jesus say? Be as gentle as a dove, as clever as a serpent in this world. You Shrewdness, know? And, yes. And so like he, uh, how do you do that delicate balance? Or if you, right. you do the wrong thing, they're going to kill people. But if you don't do the, the, the right thing, then your people are going to suffer faith-wise as well. So one of the extremely clever things he did was he put forth um, Carol Wojtyla, as a as for to become the new bishop and the the this is now with the communist reign not the nazis but the communist was almost worse than the nazis and it was such a clever thing because they thought oh yeah this young buck he's going to be disobedient we'll, we'll we'll divide the church in poland malleable right and, and they're going to be at odds with each other and instead uh who later became pope john paul ii he came under yeah uh 
him and was treated him with such utter respect and and received his word and his fatherhood Mm -hmm. to the point where it was such a touching moment when when Moitiwa became uh, the new pope and all, all the cardinals come out. And Two years before Wojcicki's death. Right. They, they all come out and greet him in, at, at, at St. Peter's there. And normally, I think, what was the tradition? You would bend down and kiss the feet or something, I think, or something, or they genuflect something. I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. it is, but when he came forward, John Paul refused to let him bend. He, he greased him up. up, and he went down before him and yeah. thanked him for his, his patrimony, really. Yeah, exactly. And ironically... At the time that uh, Wojtyla was being considered to become Archbishop in Krakow, uh, Wyszynski was a little skeptical. You know, is this guy going to have the spine of steel that you know that he ought to have? Uh, because you know he had made his bones in academia and a lot of different things like that. And uh, of course, you know, the rest is history in terms of the the the, the visionary. And as far as this uh, woman here, um, Elzbieta Rosa Czaska, uh, who was born in 1876 into a noble family uh, near Kiev in what is now Ukraine. Uh, she had developed the idea after becoming a, um, uh, uh, after launching the, a society for care of the blind to um, form a new Franciscan community dedicated to service of the blind. So one of the things that she did is she wrote the Polish Braille alphabet. And if you've seen any text of Polish, that's, I think, a double you know, Herculean task to do that. Um, and here's just something from an article also from uh, National Catholic Register. In many ways, Chaska was, uh, was ahead of her time. Her approach to the disability of blindness was active, not passive. She refused to treat the blind as incapable of having any social role or of developing other abilities because of their disability. This underlay her philosophy of education and employment for the blind. At the same time, she also recognized that even with their disability, the blind could open the eyes of others through spiritual solidarity by helping others recognize their spiritual blindness to God and as regards sin and things of the world. Now, Cardinal Wyszynski and... uh, uh, Elisabetta uh, Chaska were contemporaries. She died in 1961, but he, as a young priest, would uh, teach catechesis and uh, would work with some of her communities. And he commonly said that he learned more from them than they ever learned from him. Wow, beautiful. It's yeah. powerful witness and testimony. Yes, indeed. So I believe that was about a week and a half ago that these two uh, newly blesseds were um, raised to the altars. So let's play for their. Let's pray for their. Um, uh, eventual canonization. Now we just have to wait for some miracles to happen. Exactly. <laughs> and and you never know, there might be something in, in the hopper already. You know, we were talking about numerous other, among my, with my high school students, we were talking about there's a, a young woman who's, who's become one of my favorites, Blessed Chiara Badano, um, who was born in 1971 and died in 1990 of a very aggressive bone cancer. So she was from North Italy, uh, Northern Italy, not far from the city of Genoa. And uh, by all accounts, was a, a very common sort sort of teenage girl, but uh, was in that ordinariness of life, deeply committed to Christ. And one of her famous quotes, once she received the terminal diagnosis, is something to the effect of, "It is all for Jesus. If you want it, I want it too." Wow, that yeah. takes a lot of. <laughs> I know. It is. Well, <laughs> speaking of saints, so I've got. Uh, St. John Nepomucene in my mind. So that's a patron saint of Pisic, North Dakota. We have, we have our, 
our huge celebration coming up a week from now. So yeah. we're we're and boy, people are excited. We're all fired up. We're having all kinds of meetings and organizing. So stuff the date is Saturday, October second. That is correct. correct. The okay. Nepomuk Gnarly, and and it's called Nepomuk after St. John Nepomucene. He's from he's from Nepomuk in the Czech Republic, and uh, which is the, the gravel region there and so we're um we're having this gravel bike race right that's going on and that that's just my excuse to get people to come there and so we have all kinds of things for the family for kids there's gonna be food we've got food trucks coming we got we have the there's gonna be check traditional check dump pork and dumpling that's going to be taking yum, place yum, so, yeah yum. so people will be coming for that and so the the first race the gold race that the golden loop that's one's going to start at about 10 o'clock and they go out for 50 miles and uh there's real gold that those riders are are going to win i i just received word yesterday that there's four like professional riders who are coming to compete in that race so mm. uh, the first prize is two thousand dollars in gold so i mean that's worth worth riding for and then um also have uh, and there's and there's some women coming too we've got i heard there's uh kind of i don't know if she's professional amateur but out of Colorado she's coming and and uh, she uh, is quite the athlete I guess who's going to compete in the women's division so uh, that to go forward and then we got the silver loop which I'm going to ride that one that's only that's 25 miles and so um, so a lot of local people are, are signing up for that which makes me very happy because we're trying to we're trying to stimulate too like that getting interest in this and, and so mm -hmm. forth and um, enjoying the great outdoors oh, and mother nature oh absolutely and, and the weather forecast looks great at this point so right. it, it's going to be a lot of fun riding in the sand hills up there the it's the old beachhead of lake agassi is where it's taking place and so it's th there is a few hills involved but the beauty of our our local area and then probably the one of the bigger events is going to be the it's we're calling it the ice cream loop where um so anybody can come and they it's it's just six miles it's three miles straight west up it's called pangilly's hill you know get up the get up the hill and then you turn around and you coast on home and you end up at the jmart for some uh for ice cream treats there or whatever and uh the t-shirts came in yesterday and they look awesome I'm really excited, and so we're gonna have uh, St. John Napomacene. He's our, he's our mascot. He's uh, he's called Nepomuk Gnarly, and he's taking on a, another personality. Where so I'm trying to slip faith in here, you know, um, with it as well. well. We'll start the day with mass early in the morning mm -hmm. for the local people, and uh, the night before we have a big setup going on. And the the food truck is coming all the way. This the one that's coming is from Detroit Lakes. They heard about it and they said, "Hey, we'll come up and do this." And I, you know, I was like, "I can't guarantee anybody's gonna show up." Or they said, "You know what? We're willing to take a risk and do it." So. They're going to be there early on Friday evening. If you hold it, they will come, come, Father. You know? <laughs> so it, the thing is, more. there's going to be a beer garden now, I guess, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm hoping Excellent. next year, a year from now, that we actually have live music that will mm -hmm. carry on. So we're trying to build this thing. We already have plans in the hopper for, for next year. Now, here's Father Gross. Here's one of the things. I took a risk on this to get this started, motivated. And mm -hmm. it's like investing in my people. You right. know, just we're going to make this investment in the people. And it has come back in spades where people in the local area, they've... They've started fixing up their properties and land, and in town there we've fixed up, we're tearing down an old house today there to fix up the neighborhood that had some drug problems involved before. That's all exciting. Not only that, but we've had people kind of come out of the woodworks and they've connected, I gained a family from a neighboring uh, town down the road who they had moved in from Grand Forks actually and didn't know about it, but through this they had heard, you know. Um, so it's just, it's wonderful to do, you know, how's it, first, first comes the ordinary then the extraordinary first comes the natural then the supernatural first comes like he just said there right do the right. work yep 
Ask God's blessing, and hopefully it comes. And so our yeah. people are worth investing. Anyway, I'm, I'm totally, can you tell them I'm totally stoked and excited for this? That, that it's, yes, it's, yes. It's, Father Leffer is fired up, and for good reason. Kudos to you guys yeah. for uh, facilitating this great uh, bike race and city festival, Nepamuk Gnarly, about an hour as the crow flies northwest of Grand Forks. So stay tuned as we come back with the second hour. We'll be visiting with a fellow priest of the Diocese of Fargo about an upcoming Blue Mass. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Yeah. 